0: Crimson Tower Studios.
1: Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in fourth edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance. And tonight, I'm not only joined by my co-host, Matt, my delectable duo buddy, but we're also joined by a staple of the Wolfrup community. She had several RPG uh, Discord servers, including the Rats Catchers Guild, as well as Discord servers for several other games, including our sister games uh, Age of Sigmar Soulbound and Wrath and Glory. Uh, You may have also seen her in one of several different RPG actual plays out there, including several appearances on the Mud and Blood podcast and Encounter Roleplay, just to name a few. And if you haven't figured out who we're talking about yet, I'm proud to welcome to the show the great community engagement guru, the one and only Charlotte Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Charlotte. Thanks for being here.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, one correction encounter roleplay is now known by Weave the Tail, I believe it is. So if people oh. are trying to hunt that down, they had a branding change a little while back.
1: I did not know that. Thank you. Um Good to
0: know.
1: Yeah. So, and actually, and if and if you really want to see Charlotte doing some actual play um for Woofrup, she actually did a game with like the the produ- producer and, and the Cubicle 7 uh Dom and and Padraig and, and the whole gang there. Um, you can go to Google sevens website and check that out. Um, I think, uh, you did one of the adventures at TS wrote, I think.
2: Uh, yeah, I think that was a, uh, a bit of a playtest for you're on a dock and there's chaos people. And, uh, oh,
1: it, sounds but good out it right really that. narrows it down, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, it's, I think it's one of the ones from Uber's wreck too. Um, I can't remember trouble brewing maybe. Um, but, uh, Anyway, it's on Cubicle7's website. We'll include a link in the show notes for y'all so you can go check it out. Um, But it's it's good times for sure.
0: All right, Charlotte. Well, we're sure most of our listeners know who you are. Why don't you take a minute to tell us about yourself, tell us your involvement in the Warhammer community, um, and things of that nature.
2: Got to figure out where to start with this one because we're going back a few years now. Um, It seems like forever since the... Uh, not reboot, but uh, the new edition of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay was first announced. Uh, I guess we're pushing three and a half years now.
1: Since the announcement? Probably like four and a half at this point. Four? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess after between announcement and release, I think there was a year in between. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then it was uh, shortly after the announcement that we started the Rat Catchers Guild, uh, which is a a Discord server. Uh, And by we, I mean uh, Liam... Matt and Liam, uh, they're both from the Mud and Blood podcast. And then from there, the uh, desire to build communities around tabletop role-playing just blew up. From there, I did a local one uh, here in my city of Edmonton for tabletop role-playing, which we ended up expanding to tabletop gaming as a whole. So we got tabletop role-playing uh, card games, uh, board games, anything that fits on a the table. Uh, then from there, I expanded that one to encompass the entire province. Uh, I think we're sitting on about six or 700 members right now. Uh, so not a bad community. Uh, we need to try and get people a little bit more engaged sometimes, but uh, we're working on that again now that things are starting to open up. Uh, and it was from my efforts on that that I was awarded. Yeah,
1: the, the 2019 Alberta Role-Playing Game Award, right? Yes, that's yeah, the one. I, I was that's reading crazy. about that.
2: Yeah, we haven't had a chance to uh, have anyone else win that award since then because COVID struck and then that that uh, threw a wrench in all of our works. Yeah, and then we got word that there was a uh, an Age of Sigmar tabletop role-playing game coming out from Cubicle 7. So uh, we've got the Age of Soulbound Discord server, which is a sister server to Ratcatcher's Guild. Uh, That group of people is a blast to talk to at any given time. The community around uh, that game is phenomenal, much like our uh, Ratcatcher's Guild is for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. And then not too long ago, uh, I guess it's been about two years now, uh, they announced they were also getting the license for the Warhammer... Uh, 40,000 tabletop role-playing game Wrath and Glory, uh, which they ended up uh, taking over from uh, Ulysses Spiel. Uh, So now we've got games coming out from Cubicle 7 for all three lines of development, which honestly, I I couldn't be happier. Uh, The things that they've been doing with those games over the last uh, year or two has been phenomenal. Um, There was a bit of a a rough patch where updates were kind of few and far between for <laughs> we call Warhammer Fantasy, dark, and
1: we call that the dark times, Charlotte. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, we had some dark times, but <laughs> it looks like we are on the other side of that, and they are releasing stuff at a rate that we cannot keep up with. Yeah. Which, depending on your your outlook on that, is good and bad. For somebody who likes the stuff that Cubicle Seven does and is an avid tabletop role player it's great for me, but also I, I don't have the time to run everything. Yeah. Yep. So what do I run? Right. I've got plans on doing a one shot for the rat catchers guild in the near future, uh, where we are going to be using our first community created module for the foundry, which was, spawned from our cook-off competition that we had (laughs) uh, which is still ongoing we haven't finished it up yet and chances are by the time that this airs we still won't be done because things have gotten hectic and busy are you guys still
1: accepting entries
2: for it we're we're not we're in the uh, judging phase right now and I've had a bit of a hard time getting time to actually make some of the recipes. Like I've gone through most of them to see what they're all about. And the entries that we've had into it were phenomenal. Uh, There are a few that stand out that I really want to try. We've had one or two other judges who have made some of uh, the dishes already and they've uh, been able to report in. I just want to make sure that we have a fair showing for, for everybody. And while this isn't based upon taste, I think for this kind of competition, we would, seriously be doing it a disservice by not trying some of these recipes.
1: It's gotta, it's gotta be, it's like, it's like a halfling meat pie. Like you can't not try it. Even if you know it. The hard part is
2: finding the halfling
1: meat to throw into that meat pie. <laughs> That's Matt. You should. uh So I was looking at these the other day. I forgot that I was going to ask you about it. We should talk to Janet. I know Janet likes cooking unique, strange things. We should uh, see if she should make something next time we're together. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So, all right, we got to ask the question. um, And while the correct answer is uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, what is your favorite role-playing game?
2: Well, you see, as a self-proclaimed tabletop role-playing dilettante, I don't have a favorite because I'm always going from one to the next. Whether it's Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition or Age of Sigmar Soulbound or Wrath and Glory, it's always up in the air.
0: Yeah, nice. well, you know what you Good heard what she said first so yeah. i mean
2: i feel
1: like that's <laughs> well i have to admit so we charlotte we haven't released this yet we have a bonus episode that we're waiting to edit to get out there but we did an actual play with age of sigmar uh the starter set um and we're going to put it out on our show um but i think when we did it, we did a bonus episode where we reviewed the core rulebook for it as one of our sister games and um when we ended up getting it done i had to go look this up um it was uh it was it was bonus episode number 8 if you're looking at it but we named it Age of Sigmar fantasy injected with badassery and and i feel like that's really you get done playing an age of sigmar game and and i got to say man it was like it was like oh man it's so different than than woofrup like you feel like you're a hero and you're taking on the world yeah. like so different than woofrup
0: Oh, like absolutely! A, like a superhero, more yeah. so than a you know a lowly peasant, yeah, <laughs> trying to scrape by enough shillings for a meal. Yeah, I think there
1: was a point in that game where we were walking by some guards or something, and um, Nolan, the Lord of the Underdeep, was gming us through this, and I am like, I was questioning, like, do we need to turn in our weapons? Do we need to, like, you know, just in that mindset? He's like, No, you guys are soulbound; like they're not they're not going to question you. I am like. Oh, my
2: God. They'll give you their weapons. Yeah,
1: right. That was like when it clicked for me. Oh, yeah, this is not Warhammer. So
2: it still is Warhammer, just a different take yes, on it. Yes,
1: right, so right.
2: It felt that, that nobody knew was there until it came out. Um, there's always been this very divided line in the sand ever since first edition Age of Sigmar came out between the fantasy fans and the heroic fans which would encompass age of sigmar mainly because when age of sigmar came out it killed the old world yeah killed the old world in quotes because it, we still have our stories we still have the books there are still games being made of it we're going into the third game of um total war warhammer by was it creative assembly Right so like that is doing some really powerful things. Uh it's brought people back into fantasy so much that we have a new fantasy game coming out in the near future. We've already seen um sketches and renders of the models that are coming out for that. We're not sure how the old world is going to be played mm-hmm. in that game, but we know that it's coming. And I think a lot of that has to do with the uh the passion that people have had over the years for Warhammer Fantasy. Um yep. I like the gritty, muddy, bloodiness of Warhammer Fantasy, but I'll be lying if I wasn't truthful in saying that. Sorry. I would be lying if I said I didn't like being a six or seven foot tall night quest star badass which is able to beat the crap out of anything with her shield. You're here, right?
1: here.
0: Yep. yep. <clears throat> <laughs>
2: hard to argue with
0: that
1: no it is it is and uh even steve as he was reading through some of the stuff recently was like ah man i i gotta give age of Sigmar a chance Uh, because steve and i were hurt pretty bad when they killed off the old world took us a while i was too (laughs) yeah so you know, and uh, you're you're not just a community organizer. You don't just play actual plays um, and get out there and, and do all this. You're also a contributor too. Um, you've written a couple of blog articles for Cubicle Seven, um, including uh, there was a uh, Warhammer community article, um, and then using Foundry, which is really aprop- aprop- appropriate for what we're uh, <laughs> we're we're talking about today. And we'll include links to those below but uh you in and, and I know that's not the only place that you've done um articles and stuff, but you're you're in various places on the internet with different articles and stuff, right
2: um yeah, for the most part, I am or I have done uh, the majority of them with cubicle seven, like you're saying there was the uh community spotlight uh, about uh I guess that's last year it was last February or March that came out seems like longer with how everything's going. And then tail end of last year, I ended up writing the uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay module dive into the Foundry. Uh, That was when we were first starting to see official modules come out uh, for that. And it was actually around that time or sorry, it, it was from writing that article that I really got into Foundry as a whole and virtual tabletops as a whole. Uh, I started to really get into the back end of Foundry once I got used to the UI on Mm -hmm. Warhammer Fantasy. And that branched over into an opportunity to do the system for The Expanse for Green Ronin Publishing. So I've got the official system underway right now. I just have to get it converted to uh, 0.8 to get it all up and running for the new standards and really close to having a beta release on that.
1: That's exciting. And
2: then to add on to that, um, I'm also working for a... I don't want to really say we're a virtual tabletop developer, because that doesn't encompass everything that we're working on. But I am now the uh, community manager for Strawberry Fields Interactive, and we're working on our first product called Axia, which is a fusion between a social platform and a virtual tabletop for tabletop role-playing games. So we're looking at bringing the social aspect of tabletop gaming to a virtual world where you can go and be completely immersed in the stories and the games that you would normally play on a 2D screen or with your pen and papers at a table.
1: Yeah. I'm really interested to see this when it comes out. Um, This is one of those things that has a potential to be the next step. I think in you know, virtual uh, gaming uh, and is especially when we're talking tabletop games and stuff. Um, So yeah, I've been, I've been following this one ever since I, I heard uh, through the grapevine that uh, you got in that role. I dug a little bit more into that company and I'm like, huh, I this, this should be really interesting. So I'm super excited. Any, are you able to tell us when we might see some, something hit the uh, out there for people to play around with? Is that a while out yet?
2: We're still a while out. Uh, We are closing down on uh, essentially like early build phase, like getting the prototype for some of our ideas in place and then going to be moving into uh, heavy production here right away. Um, On the 17th of July, which is for us next Saturday, uh, which is probably a week or two after this show, or sorry, a week or two before this show will air, we're having our first broadcast game on our Discord server just to kind of show this is where we are, this is what we're kind of working on. This build, this product at this point in time is not indicative of the final product because we're we're not going to be releasing the official product until late next year. So we have we have some distance to cover, but this is kind of where we're at. But yeah, we're we're working towards uh, a Kickstarter here uh, closer to the end of the year, which will really get us uh, going. Um, We're not sure exactly what that's going to look like yet, but I've got it in the works now. And it's going to be an exciting time because you know what? Virtual reality is always daunting for people to think about because they need such a high powered system to be able to run it. And that is simply not the case anymore. While the cost of entry is not cheap, it's also not where it used to be. Uh, You're able to go get an Oculus Quest 2 for $400 Canadian. And that is a standalone rig. It's all you need to get going. You can get that, get it set up, and be playing Beat Saber or any other game you want uh, by the end of the night. Uh, There's a really cool game out there now called... Yeah, it is. Yeah, Um, There's a game out there called... Demio uh they just launched a few weeks back or a month or two back I think it is it's a dungeon crawler it's a virtual reality dungeon crawler so oh, you take I read your about this yeah. minis that you have there yeah it is worth checking out I've got it it's it's a blast it's freaking hard I've I've never passed <laughs> a map yet so
1: that's yeah I so I it, mean it's funny you bring that up I was uh I was uh out the other day uh with some friends and someone was telling me about the oculus like lance you gotta go check it out and i just i haven't i'm so that's i think this will be like i said i'm interested to see where this all goes oh she's she's showing us on the video she's got it there i'm jealous i want
2: to fly yeah if you want you can get a cord yeah yes yeah (laughs) Yeah, you know, I wasn't a fan of Elite Dangerous on the computer. There was too much going on for my taste when I, all I wanted was a, uh, a spiritual successor to Freelancer from years ago. Mm-hmm. But it just went too far in the technical direction. I kind of want to try it for VR because being able to fly around space in VR would be freaking badass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But that being said, there is a game called Battle Sister. Where you are a sister of battle.
1: I haven't heard about that. Yeah. That's on VR? Yeah, that's on Oculus Quest. Okay, making note. Looking into that tonight. <laughs> yeah, so...
2: like I'm personally working on, or I have been working on for the last two years, my own cosplay armor of... The armor of an uh, Adeptus, Adepta Sororitas. So being able to... Put on your glasses, look down to see your your leg armor and your gloves. Is kind of enough to get my desire to continue that project reinvigorated, and nice. being able to pick up a uh, a bolter or uh, a chainsword and start laying into chaos cultists and <laughs> word bearer space marines, trader marines is is something else.
0: Sign me up. That sounds fantastic.
1: It does. it does. It is. Well, we got a lot to talk about, so let's let's uh, let's move on here to uh, what we've been up gaming to. Um, wait, that's not how you say that. English, Lance. English, right? So so uh, let's let's uh, let's move on. What have you guys been gaming? Uh, wow, I can't talk. What have you guys been up to as far as gaming? Um, it, you know, recently.
0: You want to kick us off, Matt? Sure. Yeah, I've got uh, just a little card game, actually, that I wanted to highlight that we've been playing a lot. This is one of those that uh, I, wouldn't, I don't think I would say it flew under the radar because it was nominated for the Spiel des Jar last year, which is the German game of the year. Uh, but it's a little card game called Llama, and it is most similar to Uno if you're familiar with uno so there's a everybody gets dealt a hand of six cards there's a single deck that's made up of cards numbered one to six and there are llama cards as well in this deck and when it's your turn you can either play a card draw a card or pass um and the deck in the this or there's a face-up pile in the center of the table people are playing to. you can play one number higher or the same number that is out on the face up on top of this deck um one through six and then once you get to six you can either play a six or a llama and if there's a llama on there you can either play another llama or a one so essentially you're constantly just playing the same number or one higher Uh, what gets interesting though is you can uh, at the end of a round which is either when one person has played all their cards or everybody at the table has passed you score what you have in your hand but you only score each number once so if i had five sixes and a one, I would only score seven points because my all of my sixes count as six points. My one counts as one. Um, also, uh, so once you've done that, you take uh, these little chips that are either worth one or 10 points and you just uh, have a pile of chips. Once one player passes 40 points, whoever has the lowest score wins. Uh, but there's an, one other little little twist in there and that is if you completely play all of your cards out in a round you can put one of your chips back in the center so you could potentially get rid of 10 points instead of taking any in a round it's super light and it's super accessible i think that's the thing that's really stood out the most everybody we've played this with which at this point has been probably 15 or 20 different people at least have all loved it because it's familiar but it's just a little bit more it's not just uno where a lot of it was look-based, you have some decision-making as to when you should pass, right? If I have four ones and two twos in my hand, that's a lot of cards, but it's only actually three points. So I could pass before ever playing a card, right? Because as soon as I draw a card, maybe I draw a llama. Llamas are worth 10 points. And then I feel more obligated to stay in and keep playing. So it's, like I said, it's very basic. And I basically just taught all of the rules here in just a a minute or two um but really fun it's one of those games where if you struggle to like get people into playing games or if they're not they don't want to you know try to learn something that's crazy and new this has those elements that are so similar to what everybody already knows it's uh the accessibility is is there for sure it's also designed by reiner knizia so he's a an absolute legend in the board and card gaming world. So yeah. I just, I little. just
1: looked it up. It's actually really cheap too. So it's
0: like, Oh yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like 10 less, bucks or less. Than, less. Than, yeah, yeah. Less than 10 bucks. Yeah. I will say I anticipate owning multiple copies of this game over the years because of how much the cards get handled. Oh, so like, see, I was thinking
1: it was because of the resemblance on the cover to you.
0: Oh I mean, there's that too. I've got a I've got that art actually framed up on my wall. Do you it's really? just it's just a mirror is all it is. <laughs> no. Uh it's it's yeah, it's super good. Um cannot recommend that one enough.
1: Awesome. So Charlotte, what have you been up to gaming wise of late?
2: Ah, uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything else in between. Um I think it was last weekend I had a chance to Play uh, Wrath and Glory with uh, Liam from Abundant Blood as a uh, Patreon supporter and with a, a few other uh, supporters of theirs, and it was fun. Got to play a Imperial Guard officer yeah. using the rules from Nathan Dowdle, I think his last name is, the creator of An Abundance of Apocrypha. Uh, He is a uh, pretty big pillar of our Wrath and Glory Discord server, as well as being a regular writer and game creator for Modiphius. So he's kind of... Nice. In all those roles. Yeah, he's done a really good job of homebrewing any and every class that you could ever want to play that's not official yet.
1: That's cool. Uh, so
2: yeah, that was and you know it's his work has also been rolled into I think it was Doctors of Doom, which have an app, an app online to make creating a character for Wrath and Glory super simple. Like I, I'm bad for creating characters. Like it takes me forever right now because I got so much stuff on the go. Having a an online tool made it so much easier and quicker to do and they've rolled in his uh homebrew stuff into that program as well so it's even easier to use uh that stuff that uh, that product um but yeah that was that was fun times uh, i think we went three four hours with that uh kind of felt bad because it was the early early morning for some of the players over <laughs> in europe um which is you know typical when we are dealing with online games that we as right. we have been uh when liam
1: Liam's from new New uh zealand I think too right so yes he's yes. like literally opposite of us as far as well as far yeah. as me goes I think I go as well yeah you're you're only two hour difference from us so yeah. I'm yeah it's that would be difficult but
2: yeah I've uh, got another game with him tonight where we're doing our it might be our final episode for the valley of blood game that we have going from Blood. oh uh, which okay is based upon the Warlock system, which is loosely based upon, like, the original Warhammer 1st Edition. Uh, so, like, it's it's a real uh, nod to OSR games. Um, and we have him and Sean, who, both of which I've been playing with since, like, our Encounter Roleplay days and the start of the Rat Catchers Guild. And then we have Simon, who I th- I never remember if he's in Sweden or Finland or kind of on an island between the two. Uh, But we have like three different time zones spanning major sections of the world. So trying to get our times to line up has always been a bit of a struggle where it's 9 PM for me. It's like two or 3 PM the next day for Liam and Sean And it's like six a.m. in the morning for Simon.
1: Yeah. So it's the next day thing always throws me off. Like that's yeah. Like oh, we're starting recording, but for you, it's it's a different date, even though it's the same time. That's
2: yeah. The sun is going down for me, but now it's starting to be late afternoon dinner time for you tomorrow. Right. (laughs) But I mean, you know, that's that's where we are nowadays with the. Uh, virtual tabletops, we're allowed to have, well, I don't want to say allowed, we are able to have groups that, spanned, sorry, that span the world, right. uh, which has always been hard before. So if the pandemic happened 10, 15 years ago, our gaming as we know it now would have been completely different due to the lack of technology that we would have had to be able to adapt our gaming styles and habits to our current situation which
1: yeah i don't even know what what would things many of our games probably just would have died out like we would have or at the very least had a giant pause button put on them so yeah that's a really good point
2: yeah Oh, I do remember doing like freeform gaming on IRC like 15, 20 years ago, playing Vampire yeah. the Masquerade. So yeah. that would have still been going.
1: I used to play Star Trek post by uh what post by I forget what it's called, but you actually play by post. Play by post, thank you. Yeah, play by post, which is an incredibly slow way to play role playing,
2: but Oh yeah, it's like playing chess by mail. Yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. I imagine-
0: it's got to be really satisfying though, right? Like we're going out to the mailbox, pulling out an envelope and be like, oh man, <laughs> what's going to happen now?
1: <laughs> yeah, it it has, there are a lot of benefits, um, mostly surrounding that you could like craft everything perfectly as you go forth, like the way you want. Sure. Um, and then the downside was is you know, if you have differing levels, of engagement between different players um, and or in the biggest downside is getting people to actually post. Um, sure. I've actually played uh, another post by or play by post for the one ring on the Mythweavers discord server. Um, and they uh, that was a good fun game and probably the most success I ever had with one because we had a group of people that would post a minimum of once a day and so it it made it so we actually completed an encounter in less than two weeks so
2: i've been debating on trying to do like a play by post-esque game on foundry just get a server up and running have people pop in when they can type in the chat what they want to do uh when it gets down to combat we'll do our roles we'll have the maps and then Mm. see how that goes it could be a thing. I don't know if it would be successful, but it could be worth a try.
1: I, if you had a GM that was constantly in checking, um, then I think it would work.
2: Or getting a module for Iron Sworn where you're able to use co-op rules so there is no GM. Oh,
1: yeah, there you go. See, you've thought about this much more than I have. <laughs> All right, so... Um, so gaming that I've been up to, um, I have been, uh, I played some Star Wars Armada with Steve, uh, is him and I've been talking about that for a while. So, um, getting our plastic ships on the table and pushing them around and rolling dice is always fun. Um, I brought a super star destroyer. He didn't know I, I'd bought it. So I just kind of surprised and put it on the table. It was a great feeling. I was like, all right, blow that up. So, um, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, other than that, uh, just, kind of prepping um as i've mentioned we played some age of sigmar recently uh which is uh you should hear more about once that bonus episode eventually goes up yeah that's about it so so uh before we move on to the meat of our show and news and everything we want to take a quick moment to thank our outstanding patreon backers um their generous donations helped to make this show possible and
0: i gave matt all the hard names up front go ahead matt oh classic yeah. i'm uh, used to that First up, we would like to thank Lassa Dalsgaard-Anderson. Thank you so much for Thanks your support. Thanks,
1: Lassa. We appreciate it.
0: Also, Christopher Tullock. Thank you, Christopher. Your support means the world to us.
1: Absolutely. I've uh, We've had some conversations with him over patron messaging. Uh, he's a cool guy. So, um, Also, we have Attila, and I feel like... I wanted to say the hun. I know that's not true, but Attila, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for supporting us. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, also William Payne, uh, William, thanks for joining and supporting us as well. And to, to, uh, final, the final one here on the list is Kenneth Dwyer. Kenneth, thank you for having an easy name for me to pronounce because
0: I'm terrible. William and Kenneth, thank you both for your support. Thank you to all of our patrons for your support. If you'd like to like to join these fine folks and help buy us a beer or some tea, hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help us continue to bring you discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. And don't forget, you could throw in 5 bucks to join the to get access to our vault, it where we have Dozens of hours at this point of bonus content, bonus actual play. There's campaign deconstruction that Lance does where he talks about our actual play campaign in depth. It's all excellent content. And after you've listened to it, you can jump off however you want to do it. Uh, But check us out at patreon.com slash old world podcast.
1: Excellent. So let's move on to announcement and news. We have a lot to go over here. I feel like we do this every episode, especially we have a guest on there's so much news to talk about um, lately. Um, and as we mentioned before, right. It's back. It's so much different from the dark times where we didn't have a lot to talk about. Um, but it's so, it's
0: so fortunate that those times are behind. <laughs>
1: it's so true. Because so.
0: now it's like, we're not saying every episode, well, hopefully we'll get the death of the right companion next month. <laughs> we're saying, Hey, we've got so much we can barely keep up with it so it's good it is
1: it is so um to kick us off uh there's lots of blog articles um out there uh from cubicle seven um but uh i wanted to point out dave allen did another excellent article for folk and folklore of the north um the most recent one he did is a glimpse of the nordland separatist movement um this is this shows you how incredibly big of a nerd I am when it comes to Warhammer. Um, I was so excited to understand this because one of the first things I did when I went through that Middenheim, uh, book when it came out is what? Why is Nordland subservient to Middenheim? Right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. But. And it's one of those situations where uh, lore over the years is conflicted. But Cubicle 7 is essentially fixing it. And I'm super excited about that. This. this is a great article. Um, if if you want to understand the interdimensional politics of the imperial provinces in, in Warhammer, this is a great article for you. Um, so anyway, be sure to check that one out. Uh, but we also got a massive production update.
0: Yep, so let's get through this uh, pretty quick because there is a lot to go over. So Death on the Right Companion uh, for, for Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition. Uh, Death on the Right Companion, middenheim in the Archives of the Empire Volume 1. Those are all either in stores now or will be very soon. They're in that final step of uh, the shipping process. Customs can always be tricky. We know that. Uh, for the Power Behind the Throne Companion, the I'm sorry, the Power Behind the Throne and the Companion, as well as Altdorf, those are expected to be in stores in Q3. So that is, are we in Q3? Oh my We goodness. are. I know. Gosh, like it's <laughs> always like, oh man, that's that's Q3. That's forever. Except we're we're already ten days into it. So that's.
1: I want to point. A- I want to point out. So that means that we are in the quarter that we are expecting Archives Two and the Imperial Zoo. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I think we yeah. had, a, we had a conversation on Twitter with, uh, with, with an old worlder who was, um, I forget exactly how it started, but one of the, the things I posted was, can you, what is the, uh, ogre equivalent of a badger rider? And it just sounds terrifying. I hope we get something like that.
0: Um, Very nice. Yeah. Yep. One, one other one I definitely want to mention is a PDF that is out now. And that is the cluster. Eye tribe which is a deep dive into a tribe of goblins uh, in this PDF features a new template for advancing creatures into roles like soldiers, skirmishers, scouts, shaman, warlords. It is a really interesting yeah. PDF and really cool. If you're going to feature um, any of those, you know, like the uh, green skins in your, your, uh, your storyline. Charlotte, I, I don't know. Did you happen
1: to have picked this one up yet? the cluster i tribe
2: um i am not sure if i have or not yet um
1: it's if you i i don't do you gm i i guess i don't know this and i feel like i should have you do you gm a game currently of Woofrip? i know you've played in several
2: uh no uh the only thing i got planned for uh warhammer fantasy roleplay as of uh this point is the one shot that i got planned for the server um okay. and I've never actually GM'd a campaign of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I tried to get one going uh with uh, some friends here, but that didn't pan out. I I don't get campaigns going too often. I am my purpose in life is to get as many people into these kind of games as possible while stealing them from Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> So I run one-shots at my uh, friendly uh, local gaming store, which uh, is Red Claw here in Edmonton. I've run Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay there. Which one did I run? It was Night of Blood. Yes, I I ran Night of Blood with little personal tweaks on that one. Uh, And that was fun. And I ran that one at a convention here as well two years ago. Um, That is where my gaming interests lie is the one snappy game or even stretching out to two or three sessions but never a full-blown long campaign because i get so much stuff going on that it's hard to commit my time to a single day once a week for the next (laughs) two years i've already made that commitment with mud and blood podcast when we do our actual play recordings so that's kind of that's kind of my free time for gaming um, but once a month, twice a month, when I'm able to get to uh, the local gaming stores, I will try and run a one-shot there to bring people in to let them try new games and uh, get them versed in the ways of Warhammer.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, I, go ahead, man. I was going to say, I, I love running one-shots for that reason. Yeah. That I I have a local group of close friends, but even with them only being a few minutes away, it is so hard to consistently get people. hmm to be able to commit to do a long term campaign. And if one person's not there, it can really throw off the story and Right. Well, as
1: Charlotte whereas, was talking about trying to get schedules with people all around the world. I struggle oh yeah, to get I, schedules I, with people that live an hour away from me. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so and that's where that's where one shots really shine, right? You can come in, you can have a great story, you can get everybody involved. There's no obligation to like, you know, pull back if things are getting too rough or if if you know a character is that uh you know is gonna gonna end up dying or something, you don't need to worry about oh what that what is that player gonna do for this character that they made. It's not really gonna matter because they, you know, either just made it or it was a pre-generated one to begin with. So I yeah. uh I really enjoyed running one shots as well.
2: And they're easier too to try and get people versed in the games because in one shots more often than not, you avoid the real heavy rules that have to go into campaigns of yeah. a game. Uh, yeah. So if you're just there to roll some dice, to have a few uh, a few hours of fun, you're not really looking into some of the in-depth rules like uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay can uh, really get into on long-term <laughs> games.
0: Uh,
1: you are you right. know it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Indeed.
1: Yeah, so i I think i think the beauty is is um there's a lot of games that do campaigns and one shots very well, um and there are a few games out there that only do one or the other very well, um but I will say overall, um I, I am glad I've experienced both a campaign and and one shots. I think if you haven't experienced one or the other, you should definitely try to if you know at some point try to have a a campaign at some point if you've only ever played campaigns and I know people that have they've only ever played campaigns um there are people out there that started in their D&D group and they're still playing the same campaign 10 years later dude that's awesome you do you but man try one shot you, you, you there's a lot of cool things you can experience that's unique and different so but um all of that came from the cluster i tried uh release which i do want to say I I I won't go too far into depth, but I'll echo Matt. Um, I am especially happy with like the the shaman and the chieftain. Like they have little ways for you to take the a goblin, slap a a, a new kind of roll on it. Do it quickly. This is a very good thing for a GM. Um, I, I'm very excited about this and and all the cool um, you know poison and magic and. Um, I'm especially excited about the poison. Um, I want to try to bring that into my game as soon as possible. So, um, yeah, there's that. So moving on, we have a lot more to go over. Um, the horned rat, uh, is, is out obviously now and the companion. Like this is not even in our show notes. This dropped yesterday, um, from when we're recording. And I have not even had, I've had a time to do a cursory flip through the PDF um, Matt, I know you've got into it a little bit later, uh, or, or a little bit deeper than I. You, like you got a three or four bullet high point. Um, I mean, it's 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 scaven goodness is essentially what it's I scaven, would call it. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, <laughs> it's all scaven all the time. Essentially, there is the uh, dwarf ironbreaker. Yeah, uh, later yeah.
1: Later. Sorry, I'm so um, excited.
0: But yeah, the uh, so it's really. So much Skaven. (laughs) So if if your story or obviously if you're running the enemy within, this is gonna be a no brainer for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Including like what'd you say, like five pages of magic or something?
0: Oh no, I think there's eight pages of like Skaven related spells and (sighs) another like eight or nine pages of Skaven weapons, Skaven ammunition traits. There's a several like fumble tables on there for using you know, uh, just ridiculous mm. scaven weaponry. It's, there's a lot of good stuff. I really love that we're starting to see more specialized weapons. Yeah. And in turn, traits and qualities and all the, all the good stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, And then
2: there's the pretty pictures. Oh. Like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a pretty picture. Uh, flipping through that yesterday, I think it was. And yeah, some of the art that they have in that book now, it's people will be very happy once they start to flip through it. I can't yeah. wait to get like the, the dead tree format in my hands.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. We, and we rave about the artwork. One thing cubicle seven doesn't do is doesn't they, they, well, let me put it this way. Cubicle seven. Always. I've yet to have a, a physical book in my hand that I just haven't been like, man, it's such good quality. The, the book, the artwork, the layout, everything. So I'm, uh, yeah, the artwork I was looking through, I remember there were a couple of, man i don't want to ruin i know some of the artwork that i think is the coolest would kind of potentially ruin the horned rat storyline so i don't want to say but let's just say that there's this no i can't i can't there's there's this big skaveny contraption and it's it's really awesome that's all i'll say so
0: one thing one thing i'd like to say and this is something that that cubicle 7 does a lot is when they have Multiple different aspects of one thing, right? Like different in this case, different Skaven clans. The artwork is very consistent. Yeah. Each clan has their own like banner and their own, you know, artwork that is similar across all of them, because they're all branches of the same species, same race, but they're all, all unique and they just look fantastic.
1: Yeah, for sure. So remember we were talking about Q3. So, Q3, we have Empire and Ruins, Empire and Ruin Companions, Archives of the Empire, Imperial Zoo, all coming in Q3. That's like four, five, five major releases in the next three months. <laughs> so, we'll see. I mean, obviously, um, Cubicle 7 has been really good about letting us know how things are going, but obviously, you know. the 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 world is still the world so but man even if we get most of those in q3 i'll be super happy so um but those are all coming and of course there's more um i did want to mention one thing um there is a separate article from cubicle 7 where they uh padrig murphy go ahead uh gives some of these um updates but he says a few things um that i wanted to throw out there um once the enemy within campaign is done They're going to step back from big, huge overarching campaigns for Wolfrip for a little while and going to start to focus more on some different focus that the, the community has been asking for. And I'm very excited about this. So, um, player focus books, including one of those with a magical inclination. So a magic book, uh, another one for more, those with faith and honest gunpowder and steel. So I'm very excited about this. I know, um, kyle is going to be really excited to get that one too i'm sure and then we're exploring uh i'm just quoting here we'll be exploring more in depth some of the non-human species that we have heard you clamoring for and i know that's orcs that's uh high elves are pretty much any version of elf on dwarf and Skaven. All of us want to create a Skaven warband and kill each other. Um, there's lots of cool things um, out there. So it sounds like we're going to get some of that. Um And I know um Padraig did on the last time we had him on the show, he teased out a little bit of some of the stuff they're working on. So like we know for a fact that they're, they're looking at a, a an Orc and Goblin focused book, things like that. So uh when we'll get that, I don't know, but, One of the things he did say is to keep an eye out on social media because they're going to be looking for community input on what we'd like to see in the future of Woofra. So, man, when that post comes, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have a list. So the problem for me isn't the list of stuff I want. It's going to be putting at the top of the list what I want most. And there's so much. But Dwarf Sourcebook is at the top. (laughs) Anyway, having said all of that, lots all this information is on Cubicle 7's website, but we do have a ton of new information that came up for our sister games as well, and we should probably try to push through these super quick.
0: First up, Age of Sigmar Soulbound. Starter set is in stores now. There's the Champions of Order is printed and is shipping. Uh, expected in, Q, in store The Bestiary, also expected in stores, Q3. Um, Shadows of the Mist is expected Q4. The Stars and Scales, which is a PDF only, is out now. You can get that at uh, Drive RPG.
1: Which, you want to you wanna be a, what, what are, what's the Age of Sigmar equivalent of a Lizard Man, a Celestial or something? Like, uh, they are beefy. Really cool PDF, if you're interested in that. Check that out. And then the next one that you're going to talk about, too, I'm, it was pretty cool as well.
0: Yeah, Steam and Steel, which the PDF is released now, and that is expected in stores in Q4 champions of death uh artifacts of power and champions of destruction are all expected in q3 or q4 for the pdf release and then q1 of 2022 for the physical release
1: yeah that's going to be fun to see some of those more like how does how 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 are some of these what you would consider more evil you know dark elves and and all these different ones that you get to get to see some more of these uh uh, of course, I'm using Warhammer terminology to explain Age of Sigmar, races, their their ALs and stuff. But um, the concept is there, and I'm really excited to see some of those books. But we also have 40,000. Warhammer 40,000, Wrath and Glory coming down the line. Uh, the Forsaken ship, uh, system that's currently shipping from the printers, so be on the lookout. Litanies of the Lost um, is also shipping. The Bloody Gates, this is a PDF that just released, which is a Tier 1 Um, adventure focused on military heroes on the wings of Valkyries. This one I thought was really cool. I looked a little bit into it. Uh, This one is a tier two military focused adventure. This one's really cool. Church of Steel is in proofreading. Um, and Lord of Spire is the, the tier three military. It's kind of goes with the other two we're talking about and that's releasing soon. I think I have a couple more here. There's a Tier 4 version for the military adventure coming out as well. That's Affliction Ascendant that's coming out soon in the coming months. Redacted Records. This one sounds really cool. Um, So PDF release in the coming months. Um, I'm super interested to hear about this one um, and what is all in there. So I'm excited about that. We have Imperial Cities, Charbonneon. I'm probably not saying that right. Caribbean, i think it is Caribbean. see i'm terrible i'm absolutely terrible i should never read names but i mean i'm assuming i mean with how well they did the wolf city guides i'm excited to see what comes out of that and then yeah and the one i'm most excited about is the wrath and glory starter set because that'll be the excuse that i need to get our team to do a bonus episode to do our own one shot and play wrath and glory because i haven't played wrath and glory yet i really want to and that's when we're going to do it when we get the starter set so Yeah, so you can find all of this and more at cubicle7games.com. Check it out.
0: All right, that brings us to our Battlefield allies. Garblag Games, our friends over there, continue to release excellent WoofRup content. And we have it on good authority that there is more on the way. Be sure to check out their shows, including uh, the WoofRup show called Once Upon a Time in the Old World, which is available on their YouTube channel.
1: Yep, good stuff. All right, so 40 minutes into our show. Let's start talking about what our show is about. All right. Um, so let's talk about the main topic of our show. So our, our title for tonight's show is fitting virtual wars and online hammers. Ever since COVID has reared its ugly head and affected the world, we have all been dealing with finding new ways to play our beloved games and uh, connect with our friends, as well as adventured in the worlds that are sometimes barely more grim than our own, um, As part of that experience, I can say without any hesitation that our gaming group here at the Old World Podcast has had to make some big changes in the way we game ourselves. As I've mentioned in the past, this has been especially difficult for us as I'm sure it has been for many of you as we've dealt with death, sickness, and massive impacts on every aspect of life. However, one of the silver linings of this terrible year has been a forced and ultimately well-received move towards online gaming. And honestly, we wanted to do an episode on this for quite a while, but the reality was that our gaming group preferred to play in person and we made huge sacrifices in time and gas money just to do that. In a nutshell, we had to learn how to online game right along with many of you. Um, So Old Worlders, tonight's show is about talking about lessons learned, horizons expanded, and new ways to enjoy our hobby. As we plan to talk about online gaming, and both its benefits and its challenges. We plan to talk about online gaming in general, what options and tools you have for online gaming, and what are some of the benefits and challenges, like I said, for each one. We're gonna also do a high-level review of the two most prominent virtual tabletops for Woofrup, which is Roll20 and Foundry, as well as giving you many tips, tricks, and ideas that we've come across that might help you in your own online games. However, we don't plan to do this alone, We've been talking about having Charlotte on our show for over a year now as we've been taking the time to try to experience as much of the online gaming scene as we can. It's fitting that someone who has been such a massive positive presence online for the Wolf Rope community joins us and her experience in multiple multimedia media will be a huge wow. help in our discussion. See what I did there? But yeah. Say that
0: five times fast. Yeah,
1: right. So old worlders, join us as we prepare to fight our virtual wars and heft our online hammers as we dive into Rip gaming online on tonight's show of the Old World podcast. That's a little bit longer monologue than I normally do, but it, there's just so much to talk about and and I just as we're kicking off here, we have been talking about doing this for a while, but we very honestly weren't big into online gaming our tabletop games before covid it wasn't a thing we did we preferred and there's still a lot of benefits to playing in person there really are um for sure but there are also some benefits that make online gaming better and let's let's dig into that you want to kick us yeah. off
0: man well i did want to mention that the reality <sighs> too we talked about doing this for a while but We when we first started, we didn't have nearly the experience that we wanted to have to where we felt like we could talk about this competently. We also, you know, once we got to the point where we were ready, then Cubicle 7 announced they were releasing official content for both Roll 20 and Foundry. So it took us a little bit to get to it, but we're here now and I think we're in a good position to to make some good points about it. So in talking about online gaming, there are a lot of different ways that we can connect virtually and game virtually one of them is simply text based uh gaming which is either instant messaging of some sort IM uh we just talked previously about using IRC channels i mean that takes me back yeah play play by De- post literal, yeah literal decades yeah and i uh-huh. i wasn't into playing role playing <laughs> games back when i first got on like IRC chat channels but <laughs> As soon as it was said, immediately it just took me back. and like, boy, how, how great would that have been? That Really, even, even today, that's such a, a satisfying way of doing it. And Lance, I know uh, for Janet and I, we didn't get into, we had never played a role-playing game before uh, you introduced Star Wars to us years ago, right? Like 2000, what, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And a lot of that branched from you running a Star Wars game at work just via their internal like email chat yeah. system. Why so this is
1: this but. is interesting. So so I would say there are two types of text online gaming and this isn't a primary way to do it. But if you have an opportunity and this is the only way you can do it, it can be a lot of fun. Um, and so we already talked a little bit about play by posts and this is a concept that you know you get on and post you know back and forth kind of like in a, a forum chat or something like that. Um, but this What I would do, um, I I had to make sure I crossed a lot of T's and dotted a lot of I's internally to make sure we didn't get in trouble. Um, But we we made sure we had all the approvals and everything. And what we would do is we worked in a call center, but sometimes on super slow days between calls, we had this ongoing IM chat where we literally... played we we and then when someone had to roll dice they would literally come over to my desk and roll some dice real quick because uh they you know if they didn't have their own dice because uh fantasy flight has their own custom dice for the star wars system and i mean we literally had an ex, you know a, a combats um i would post pictures i would send everyone an email of like a layout of the map and we would do it via chat and i mean it, it was slow But it was fun, and we all still remember the day, you know, that that one of our players spaced one of the NPCs um, and didn't tell anyone else. And, you know, it was just, it's it's a a lot of fun. So you can do it, um, but there are some, while the benefits are, right, that it's, you know, simple and easy access, you don't have to teach anyone, there are a lot of downsides, too.
0: Yeah. Well, the other benefits being most or all of these different messaging resources are free. So there's no cost. There's no, you know, I, I can speak from our experience with founder and roll 20 that most times that we get onto game on there, we'll have a good, like 10, 15 minutes, hopefully, or if not longer where we're working through technical difficulties or, Oh, how do I, you know, is it calculating my advantage when I roll this or is it doing this or that? Uh, Whereas if you're doing it just via text space, uh, you're not going to have any of that. I feel like this form of gaming virtually puts way more pressure and uh, requirements on the GM to know their stuff.
1: Charlotte, what what about – have you had an opportunity? Um, I, I'm assuming in, in your experience, have you had any text-only? Um, I think you were mentioning some play-by-posts that you were involved in, right?
2: Well, it was the IRC stuff, like – Back in 2001. So, yeah, 20 years ago. That's. <laughs> oh, come on. It's that. Is it? Oh my
1: gosh, it is that long ago. Yep. Uh, I'm getting old.
2: Yeah. yeah. But aside from that, uh, nothing. Oh no, you know what? That's a lie. Yeah, I think we tried to start one uh, between a few people in the early ages of the Rat Catchers Guild. Matt was running. Or we attempted to run a uh, Tillion game.
1: I remember them recruiting for that, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. there was a few of us. It didn't go far for one reason or another. I think just time constraints and whatnot, because we both started getting busy around that time. But yeah, I think that's been the only other time that I've really got into text-based.
1: Yeah. And there are resources out there. Um, this can be ideal if you if you have like thirty minute sections of time where you can try to play and that's it. This might be your only option, um, to do something like that. And um and I know like uh Myth Weavers is a Discord server. Um, and there are a lot of different Discord servers you can just Google and find where they do this sort of thing. Discord's a nice, easy place. Um to, to communicate about it. And they might have separate, like actual forums for different pieces on this. But anyway, um, there are resources out there for this, but that is probably the simplest, lowest tech way to do online gaming. So the next step is to do audio, right? And I mean, this can be as simple as getting on your cell phone. I've literally done this. I've done character creation, on my cell phone before. Just have a book in front of me. They have a book in front of them. I do character creation. I've actually recorded a one-on-one episodes via cell phone before. Um, Not for this podcast, but for other things. Um, And this can be Skype. This can be Discord. Discord and Skype are the two that I immediately think of when I think, all right, let's let's play a game. We're just all getting together and we're doing it via audio. You don't have to have video. Um, There are a lot of other like, you know, systems that you can do, whether, I mean, back in the day, it was expensive to have like three-way calling, right? Now that's not the case anymore. Um, most services, I can add four or five people on the same phone call and it doesn't cost me anything at all. You know, it's just part of my plan. So those are options for you. So it's it's cheap. Um, no learning curve usually. Um, at most, you have to get someone access to like Skype. There could be some technical issues there. Um, What about you guys? Do you have any experience in audio-only
0: games? I don't think so. For the most part, outside of what we do with the Old World Podcast, I want to say all of my role-playing experience has been in person. And I think a lot of that is because I I guess I was really more of a late bloomer when it came to (laughs) getting into role-playing games to where these services like Roll20 and like Foundry were already available when you know, we were wanted to play, but the world didn't allow it for whatever reason. Right.
2: I think back in the, I think it was the first real actual play on blood and blood where we played Coriolis. That was all audio based. Ah. Uh, Now to the point where you're thinking, well, it's a podcast. Of course it's audio, (laughs) but from my standpoint, it wasn't until after that or during that campaign that we started to use video as well. Uh, Cause one of the, one of the drawbacks of audio only if you're playing with a group of people is the tendency to trip over each other when you want to start talking. Yes. And as a Canadian, I am polite and I like to, have it, so that everyone has their time to to speak and not stumble, and then we get into the awkward. You go, no, you go, no, you go. Um, I like to be able to see the faces of the people that I'm playing with and talking with, so I know when they want to say something. Like there's been times in previous games where I've raised my hand and I've waited a good one minute until the other person is done to be able to go after them. But I think that is the only time that I've really played audio only. Um, and I would never go back to it.
1: Yeah. And, and with the technology, so it used to be discord was only audio, right? We're actually recording this episode on discord right now. And I'm looking at Charlotte's face across from me on, on, on the video so that it makes it a lot easier to do exactly like you don't talk over it. In fact, I even had that in the show notes. It's one of the biggest things. When we even record normal discussion episodes where we're just talking about stuff, it's easy to talk over each other. It's so much easier to be able to see see facial cues, things like that. It's, you're more engaged. Um, yeah. And so, like, let's move on. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about audio video options, right? So we already mentioned Discord is, is one of them because now they have a video option. Um, but yep. there's a lot more.
0: For sure, yeah. Slack, Skype, Zoom, Ventrilo. Ventrilo, uh, I haven't heard of that one in a while. Yeah, ah, yeah. So, I was going to say, Zoom is one that really, I, I I don't even know if I'd heard of Zoom prior to, you know, COVID. Last, last March. Yeah, yeah. and all I of my it. kids' school stuff was <laughs> like, you got to be on Zoom, you got to be on Zoom. Um, but having the video aspect of it is huge because you can get those little cues. Like you said, Charlotte, being able to like, Put your put one finger up to the camera so that people know that you have something that you want to interject with, is super helpful. Uh, and as a GM too, or as a player, you can share your either share your screen or you could heck even hold a page up to the camera so that you could. I've done it. Or show artwork or show a map, any number of things.
1: Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. I think I forget what it was. Was it the uh, was it a Vargolf or something? I was trying. You just can't yeah. explain certain things, right?
0: Sure. You need a yeah. piece of art. <laughs> and... yeah. So having that, having the, the video side of it is definitely super helpful. And I mean, nowadays it's uh, every computer is going to have a built-in, you know, webcam of some sort. So the access to it is, uh, is there for sure. Even cell phones. I mean, you, can, you could jump yeah. into your Discord server and, and share your, your video from that as well.
1: I literally have three laptops sitting under my bed that are less powerful than my phone. Yeah. I, and that's that's a reality. Um, not everyone has a powerful computer, but most people have a phone that will handle these things just fine.
0: No, yeah, no problem with yep. probably fewer technical difficulties. Yes. Easier to use. Yeah. <laughs> like. I, I could fill up my garage with old devices I have that are less <laughs> powerful than my cell phone. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Oh. Yeah. But we did. We actually had an experience with this recently. This is when uh, our the Lord of the Underdeep, Nolan, ran us through the Age of Sigmar beginner game, or starter set. And we did it. Um, it was on Roll20, but we didn't. Was it Roll20 or was it Discord? I'm trying to remember. No, now. it was Roll20. Yep. It was Roll20, but we didn't utilize it for like anything really other than just using the the audio and video from it
1: yeah i think that's an important piece to mention so we're going to talk a little bit about virtual tabletops in a second here but virtual tabletops are also easy to access as well and like roll 20 you just create account you log in it doesn't cost you anything and your audio and video is already set up right and so it can be a simple way if you don't want to mess with discord or you know you know Skype or something, and, and you already hit, somebody already knows how to use it. You can just access it. It's an easy way. I think he put like uh, the cover of Age of Sigmar uh, on the background, and that's just what we saw the whole time. But we yeah. could see everybody's faces on the video, and we all it just it's yeah. a different way that you can handle all of it, and it worked out just well.
0: Yeah, that's more of like a hybrid way of doing it, where we have the audio and video, and we we could potentially do some die rolls. That are calculated for you on the screen but without having yeah and i think it literally in that
1: game i was rolling real dice even though i had a die roller right in front of me right it 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 still works out um so the downsides of of this audio video are really i think just the fact that there's something just one tiny step more that gives you so much more right there's no tabletop there's no the virtual tabletop, the whole name of what we're going to talk about next is missing from just the audio-video option, and that's the biggest downside I see. For so, sure. So let's move on to virtual tabletops. The whole reason you all are here listening anyway, and that is – so first off, I, I just want to – a virtual tabletop is a online um, – a uh, tool that you can access to show a screen, which is and it's literally what it is—a virtual tabletop, right? So you can put down a map. You can put down something called tokens, which are like usually like little circles showing characters or monsters, or they don't even have to be circles, right? They don't have to be outlined. They just like little versions of people that you can put on your screen or monsters or whatever, so you can visually see. Think of it as like having a whiteboard on your computer screen. And you can put stuff on it. You can put a map down. You can put minis down. You can put, you can just draw on it. It is a virtual tabletop. It's it's literally what it is. And there are lots out there. Roll20, Foundry. Those are the two big ones, right? Especially for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. But Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy Grounds has a pretty decent um, Warhammer uh, VTT as well. <laughs> um, it, it's... It's not as good as what uh, with the support we have from Cubicle Sevens, but they have some stuff out there. There's Astral, Echic Table, GM Fords There's a lot. There's a lot of VTTs out there. In in depending on your game, certain VTTs might be better for you depending on what's available. But I, I will I will straight up and say right now, in my experience on all the games that I've had, Roll Twenty or Foundry has been the ones that have been the best best in my experience but there are other games that might do better in different vtt's yeah and i i don't know so uh charlotte what experience have you had with i obviously know that you've done foundry right but um what other vtt's have you used
2: yes i think the most experience i have now is with foundry but i've used fantasy grounds i've used rule 20 um I'm sure there's probably one or two other ones that I poked around with. But
1: So you I saw you make a face when we said when we said uh fantasy grounds. What's your experience there?
2: Due to some of the work I do on the side, I always have to try and be mm, okay. polite when it comes to talking about specific options for playing because I have a tendency to hurt people's feelings. Oh, no. (laughs) I. uh, For what we have now, Foundry is leading the way when it comes to desktop based essentially 2D virtual tabletops. The amount of power that that program has is beyond everything else that is out there nowadays. It has raised the bar so high that the ones that have come before will not be able to reach it. I'm looking at Fantasy Grounds. I'm looking at Roll20. While back in the day, those were the only options we had, and they were decent options. Uh, They both suffer from their own drawbacks, which primarily are based upon their technical well technical developments and limitations uh, fantasy grounds is clunky to use it takes a little bit of a learning curve uh, making character sheets in it wasn't overly intuitive um, I had I used fantasy grounds on my Conan uh, campaign that I oh. played as a roller and we tried to use the sheets but It took a lot to get the sheets going in there. Uh, And then there's like modules you can buy. Uh, So as a roller, Fantasy Grounds was great. And that's what I used it for. Um, Roll20, I've had less experience with, but I've also tried to do sheet development on it. Uh, It is entirely web-based, which is great. Whereas Fantasy Grounds is app-based and now they have a Unity platform for it. So you have to download the product to be able to use Fantasy Grounds. So that could be a limitation for some. Roll20 is different in the sense that it's all web-based. There is no application. It's all done on a web page, which has limitations of its own. Um, It was frustrating for me to try and get a character sheet made on that, even though I do know uh, some... like I have decent skills in HTML, CSS, and, and JavaScript, but that one... Was a bit hard. Uh, there, I personally find Roll Twenty to be less advanced when it comes to features than what the Foundry is.
1: Well, let's let's get into that um, a little more in depth um, because we're going to talk about the the actual Woofrip experience on those. Um, so, but before we do that, I do want to talk about from an overall perspective what you're pointing out is, is that not every virtual tabletop is created equally. um, And there are some ups and downsides, but like from an overall perspective, um, one thing I will say is that depending on how far down the rabbit hole, how many options, and and I want to be, I want to be clear. You can get some pretty intense abilities to do some cool stuff in these VTTs. So how about background music. How about background music that cues whenever you move your players from one map to the next, or that you have a playlist ready to go? How about lighting, dynamic lighting? How about when you move your character around on the map, depending on where you are, it affects what you can see in the map. How about different colors of lighting and different strengths? How about flickering, you know, torches and things like that. All of this is possible in a VTT. It's, a, it's about how much work you want to put into it and in learning the system. Um, these are all advantages. So all of that can also be a bit of a downside because I, I'll be the first to admit, right? Um, the learning curve is a lot bigger to do all of this stuff than it is just to get on Skype and play a game. Right. And roll dice in front of you, you know, in, and, and do the honor system, but there is so much you can do. And is as you learn and become more experienced with whatever VTT that you're using, you will realize that the benefits can be huge. Um, so for, as a Warhammer GM, like I, I can tell you right now, I don't want to run a big battle with miniatures on a table in front of me anymore I want Foundry or Roll20 to to track all of the advantage and to to tell me all of the rules that I'm not remembering for, for all of that. And it's a huge advantage. And these VTTs can do that if you have the right modules and stuff installed for the different games you're playing. So just from an overall perspective, the advantages are it can do a lot more. Um, you can actually, it can do a lot of the tracking for you, keep you rules at your fingertips. Um... Hack Foundry even that, lets you click on a rule, like you roll yep. a dice and there's something in effect, you just click on it to read it.
0: Yeah, that was one thing I was going to mention that the, it basically condenses or, or is able to show you a majority of the core book in a sense by like being able to click on a talent, click on a trait, things that are really easy to miss when you're playing on an actual table surface. It keeps track of for you. And I specifically remember when we first started getting into these you called me and you were like Matt I need you to get on Foundry I need to to show you some of this stuff because it was things that I hadn't even considered would be an option things I... like moving your character like
2: mm-hmm. from
0: where you're standing now you can only see down this hall but you move it one you know one uh square closer and now you can see down both hallways and the guy over here you can see a little bit into this room and it's all thematic to what you would actually experience. Do you want to know what I was like, most
1: excited to show you when I made that call is the rain. You can. There's like a, an option to click on a map to make it rain in Foundry or make it snow. And it just adds so much to the atmosphere. Yeah.
2: Well, the nice thing, too, is if you call someone up, and say, hey, hop on Foundry quickly. All that you have to do is send them a link. They click on it. And for the players' side of things, it's all web based. So, you just go onto your browser, click that button, and you're done. You're into the game.
1: Same thing for for most of them. Roll 22, you can just send a link. There's a little more work on the GM side. And if you have a GM that's willing to do it, it will pay off for everybody. Players, I want to, and that's a good point you brought up, Charlotte. It's not, players don't necessarily, it's kind of like knowing the role playing game, right? Like you have a basic understanding of rules. As long as your GM knows what's going on, you're good to go. You can learn as you play, right? Um, same thing with a VTT. As long as the person running the VTT has a basic understanding of what's going on, nobody else really needs to know. They'll learn as they go. And Matt, I think I cut you off. You, you, you were going to say something? Oh,
0: just that it, it also, I, when I think of like um, the most advanced VTT that I've experienced, it is Foundry with the number of features <laughs> and things that it has. Uh, it really bridges that gap between playing a role-playing game on the table and playing a video game, right? It's very like reminiscent, mm-hmm. almost of playing some of like the classic uh, video game RPGs. And I almost question at times, like, is that too much? Is it taking us too far away from like the the traditional, like, sitting at a table, rolling dice, and letting the theater of the mind create sure all mind. Mm-hmm. for you versus seeing it on the screen? I'll be honest, I love playing on Foundry because of all those features, but at the same time, I also love sitting at a table with my friends, like all of us there with drinks and we're rolling dice. We're having a good time. So there's, there's multiple sides to that for sure. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into here shortly.
2: There is a cost behind that as well with all of these features. Um, while I will always come off as profoundry, um, If you're looking to get a quicker game going and you don't care about the bells and whistles, Roll20 is fantastic for that. I agree. Uh, One thing, and I pointed it out a little bit in my uh, article with Cubicle 7 regarding Foundry, is there's a bit of a steep learning curve. It doesn't matter if you're the GM or a player, Foundry has a steep learning curve. But once you get past that learning curve, it's easy to know where to go and what to do to be able to do what you need to do.
1: Yeah, I agree. And so, all right. So, spoiler alert if you can't tell from the three of us, I think we're all in agreement that Foundry is our favorite, right? For as far as VTT goes for Warhammer, um, but Charlotte brings up a really good point on on the costs and just getting in with Roll Twenty. So let's dig a little bit deeper into Roll Twenty. and And so first off, what's available for Warhammer? Right, we're Warhammer podcast, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. They have the fourth edition bundle, the starter set, and Rough Nights and Hard Days. And this includes like, um, you know, maps and and uh, everything that you would expect in the normal product is all there you can look it up all the rules and everything is all preloaded.
0: so when you say the fourth edition bundle like you said Mm. it's it's maps it's dozens or if not more tokens npcs uh player characters it really takes things like the illustrations the rule sets all of it loads it all in there for you so you know all it takes is a couple of clicks here or there to find anything you can find in the core book. It's going to be available on there, right. which is really, really nice. So one thing I want to point out, let's say
1: I want to play Warhammer. I want to get together with my friends. I just don't have any money at all. How do I play Warhammer? You can, there are free like Warhammer 4th edition character seats you can load and run with. It's not going to include all the nice tokens. It's not going to include all the pre-built stuff. It's not going to have the cool little graphics when you roll dice, um, but you can do it. And I want to make that clear because Roll20 is all housed on their online servers. Everybody logs in. You create an account, somebody creates the game. And then one of the beauty of it being online servers like that is that, I as a GM don't have to have it logged in for you to log in. You could go in and update your character sheet when I'm sleeping, right? It's, it's all right there online. What these, uh, you know, modules that you can buy, um, they're in, in my opinion, it's the cores are well worth the money for, for the 30 bucks or whatever. And I think it's, and they're always on sale. So just go check cubicle sevens website. Usually these are on sale. Um, but You can, uh, you know, get different, um, uh, it gives you the full rule set too. So you can go look something up. You don't have to have your book right in front of you. Um, and it has like, you know, the different tokens, like you said, but those tokens include all the stats and rules for the monsters, right? So you can drag a token out and then click on it It has everything that you need. Um, and if you need to create your own token, it took me a while to figure this out again, learning curve, right? There's a learning curve to this stuff. Um, that you can, like, essentially copy something that already exists and tweak it. And then, so, like, I have uh, some goblin goblins, right? Well, I need some goblin pirates, some goblin riggers, some goblin wreckers. Like, and I tweaked them all just based off of that one thing. And you can do it. It's all very easy. Um, and for most VTTs, there are YouTube channels that explain and show you how to go and do these things. So if you're brand new to it, I, I, I want to be very honest you you go and download this it took me a minute to figure out how to get character sheets created and going for for roll 20 same thing in foundry it took me a minute i spent to be honest with with roll 20 before i felt comfortable i spent 3 or 4 hours probably messing around creating characters doing stuff watching videos but it was well worth the time investment And I think that's going to be the same for both. But the the reality is, is Roll20 doesn't cost you. Once you pay that one amount of money, you're good. Now you can pay more money. There's a subscription service for Roll20 that will get you extra features. So some of those features we were talking about, like dynamic lighting and things like that. On Roll20, you pay a premium monthly amount for that. Also, remember, this is cloud storage, right? Your stuff is stored on their servers. So there's a maximum. And if you're running multiple games or you have big files that you're uploading on there, um, you might you can pay the pr- monthly premium to get more storage. And there's a lot of other features. I'm not going to go over all those. You can go to Roll20.net and see what the differences are for paying for a premium account versus a free account. But Roll20, as Charlotte mentioned, is is a good free, quick option to jump in if you need somewhere to start. And 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 I can honestly say i started with world 20 i loved it i don't have a problem with it most of the time when i'm going to run a game with somebody else nine times out of ten they'll be like what system we're we going to be on they're going to say roll 20 most people use roll 20 though i have to admit in the last year there's been a lot of branch out from that that's not as 99 percent as it used to be um it's a much you know there are a lot of more people are moving over to other ones so I know we've uh, so I've talked about it a lot. I guess uh, Matt, Charlotte, I just we've already talked. Did you have any other experiences or things that you like or don't like
0: specifically about Roll Twenty? You want to mention here? I think I would say that we, like you just said, we have more experience with Roll Twenty than with Foundry, and and of obvious by that any other VTT. But I feel like the features and Uh, tool kits and things that you have with foundry are a lot cooler just from like a badass standpoint like the different (laughs) things you can do but overall i felt in my experience that roll 20 was a little bit more user-friendly at least to start like when we were first getting up and first getting started doing yeah online gaming there was less of like it it took less time to get get up and get going but i feel like it's a little Roll20 is less satisfying as a whole because you don't have some of those like really killer graphics and great, um, you know, things that you can add on and things that you can do with it. Yeah, Uh, And I I have GM'd a game on Roll20 and it was a a fine experience. I wouldn't say it was, uh, it, it didn't blow me away by any means, but I also haven't put in the time to really get the most out of it. And I'll tell you right now, having seen what I've seen from both, I would much rather put in the time it would take in foundry to get the most out of that system
1: well and so uh, charlotte did you have anything to add
2: no i don't think so i think i kind of covered off a lot of my issues and concerns with it one thing about both of them though even though they do have steep learning curves the communities surrounding both products are phenomenal if you have questions there are discord servers there are groups that will be more than happy to answer your questions. Rule 20 has an extensive uh, database on their website for their wiki to try and learn what you need to do. Uh, The Foundry does as well, but the Foundry is a little bit more higher level at this point and uh, goes at it from a little bit more of a... Try to figure out the right words to do it. It's like a, when you're going into documentation for a library, for mm. like software development, web development, it is yeah. more of the technical sense, but they're getting better with having a decent knowledge base on their website.
1: So one thing I will say though is, all right, so both of them have videos that will walk you through how to use their tools on like YouTube and stuff. But foundries is much more in like watching foundries. I knew what I needed to do for my Warhammer module right away whereas roll 20s was much more generic and the the Warhammer module I had to go figure out some stuff which wasn't clear in those videos so in in I think man and honestly if one of the things I might say I know Moo man is is working for Cubicle 7 now putting together some videos for their VTTs for both roll 20 and for um, foundry that is Warhammer specific, and I'm I'm assuming he's going to be kicking up, you know, um, the other systems as well. Age just Sigmar and Wrath and Glory, but like having those specific to go over some of those features would be really helpful. So Cubicle Seven, if you're listening to this, this would be that would be a good suggestion. I would have.
2: I think it extends to all the tabletop role playing game publishers as well. That in the virtual tabletop revolution that we're currently in it is a perfect time for those to, for the publishers to be able to get in and start getting their stuff officially put out. Like Cubicle 7 is doing it with a few of their contributors like MooMan and I can't remember who's doing it on the Roll20 side. But having official modules is perfect because it takes so much of the work out of getting a lot of that stuff put in that it's easier for me to go and spend that money to buy that module than it is to try and do it all myself. Uh, other companies like uh free league are doing the same thing with a bunch of their games i think any companies that want to get into this space it is a perfect time for them to get in as a company into this mm-hmm. as an extension of what they already do and not just to leave it up to the fans to create something to be used right um, consider this as an extension of your business it's the digital side of your business now that being said not all publishers are able to do things with their licenses that get into the digital realm uh star wars i think for the longest time you couldn't have pdfs of those games because in the agreement they weren't allowed to have anything done digitally because that part of the license was given to somebody else even though the two would never really cross over yeah so
1: that's just been so annoying as a star wars fan <laughs> For that system, yeah, and so and and one thing on that part I would mention too is um don't don't just look at it as support an expense to support your community. Look at it as an income stream. Um, The number of times I've heard Cubicle Seven say that they've been blown away with how many sales they've been getting on their digital products. Like it's you don't have to look at it as just a pure expense. don't get me wrong, you need to spend money to support your community, and if you're not, you're not doing something right as an RPG publisher in my opinion, but it's also a potential income stream for you to support that stuff so the other thing to uh and, and we're running out of time here, but I did want to really mention this this is important for foundry. Foundry works a little different than some of the other vtts so you buy a license it's a fifty dollar license and it installs on your computer only one person in in a group that you're going to run needs to have and own that license. No one else does. But once you own it, you own it forever. It's a one-time thing. And if you have it, you can run a game, whatever version you have, send the links. Like we talked before, you can run it off your computer. You don't need an online server. You can just run it off your computer. Now, the downside of this is um, while video integration is possible it's incredibly technical and there's a lot of pieces that go into it it is much easier to pay like there's like a five dollar option or and going up to pay for uh the foundry forge um site that for the the uh, vtt that gives that monthly fee it lets you use all of their stuff stored online just like Roll 20 have the audio video connected into it and it's all seamless we've used it To me, it's well worth the $5, but it is something that you need to consider too, right? So Some people like, I'm not paying a monthly fee no matter what. Okay, Roll20 is where you want to be. Then, you know, uh, unless you don't want video, which we've all pretty much said, like if you're going through the effort to get a VTT, you want video. I I I can't think of a reason that you would not want it if you're going through the trouble of having a VTT. Just something to keep in mind, they work a little different. All right, so um, did I, 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 before I move on, we're gonna go into some uh, player tips, uh, player and GM tips for, for using uh, VTTs here. And but before I do that, did we? Did you guys have anything else we wanted to say specifically about Foundry that we haven't already covered?
2: Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> um, the nice thing about VTTs is it lets you. I don't know if this term is going to be used properly in this case, but it lets you abstract out a lot of the things that you would normally have to deal with when you're playing at a table. It is no lie for those who are familiar with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition that it can get a bit bogged down with some of the rules. You have some math things (laughs) that you need to do when you are calculating your bonuses and uh, your... Um, success levels and whatnot, it can get a bit weighed down. The nice thing about the virtual tabletops and Foundry in particular is the way that it has been developed has taken a lot of that heavy lifting away. So it is more inclusive to the new player for not having to learn all those really sticky rules. And there are references in a lot of the products that are offered on the Foundry now from Cubicle 7 that have the rules referenced at the click of a button so you can actually learn to see what you're doing, but you could also not have to worry about it. So if you don't want to worry about calculating your SL, click a button and it will do it for you and tell you what the end value is. Yes. And for games that are a little bit more on the crunchier side, like Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition, that could be a huge benefit to getting people into the game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Matt, I, I think you would as well, right? 100%,
0: yeah. 110, 120%? 120%. Right. That uh, Specifically, actually, I can think back to a game that we were playing for our actual play where Steve had a a quality on one of his weapons he never knew he had. And it wasn't until he rolled it in Foundry. He was like, you need to tell me that I've had this this whole time. And I think that is a perfect a perfect way to, uh, you know, it can't be understated that the fact that Foundry does all of those things for you. Yeah. It simplifies what is a a crunchy system. Yeah. And things like keeping track of advantage, keeping track, all of those things if you forget some portion of it, you're going to, you're going to change what an outcome should have been. Or if you forget that your you know, your weapon had this or, or, uh,
1: yeah. What it, you, we, we say this yeah. sometimes that, that Warhammer fourth edition suffers a little bit from razor dactyl syndrome. Um, and, and that's a reference to the old Warhammer fantasy battles game, but essentially, um, you you read a rule, it references a rule on a different page, which references a rule on a different page. Which by the time you're done, you have four different pages that you need to go look. In, and especially when you get to things like the size rules, uh, like yep. you know, it's a lot. And if you don't play every week, you don't have this all memorized. You're gonna miss stuff, and it could potentially affect your enjoyment of the game.
0: Yeah. This or really helps do, with it. If you do play every week, right? Yeah. It's still. Yeah still you know it's so roll- easy to forget a little thing you forget right the, like you said size rules or that you're at a different range that's going to have it, this mm-hmm. effect And roll There's- 20
1: does it somewhat but foundry really takes it to the next level like oh i rolled it and there are three links right in there that tell me oh i have this you know this rule this roll, this roll, just click on it and it shows me what the rule is um or or i critted someone Great. Click on it. It will roll the crit for me. Like yep. you don't have to go look up tables. You don't, it's so simple and easy. Um, I really like it. One thing uh, I, we forgot to mention, and I just want to mention this real quick because you, you're wondering what's, so we went over what's available for roll 20 more to come. I'm sure. But what's available right now for Wolfrup and foundry is, Oh my gosh, astounding. They have the core module, the starter set module, rough nights and hard days, Uber's Reich Adventure, enemy and shadows, Death on the Reich, Middenheim, City of the White Wolf, and Archives of the Empire already exist as modules that you can buy for uh for Foundry for Wolf Rips. So just know there's a lot out there already for you to to get you know your your game on, if you will.
0: It is worth noting that those are all available. They aren't what I would say I wouldn't consider them cheap necessarily. Like if you wanted to get in all of these things to get all of the different supplements I uh, compare it to if you're going to buy the PDF or in some cases, even the, even the actual physical book. Yeah. You're um,
1: getting all the text.
0: Yeah. All, all the text for
1: it. those books are in there. Yep. So you're essentially getting the PDF with a whole lot of util- utilization. For sure.
0: Yep. There's a, there's a lot, there are some incredible supplements that you have in there, but if you were, you know, if you had that completionist in you, which I know yeah. we all do, <laughs> you know, in most cases we've already bought the physical copies of these books you're going to pay uh, you know somewhat close to that or at least some portion of that to get the to get it on here as well.
1: I don't understand they're going to have to start making laws about building bookshelves to RPG standards to support the weight because mine just fall down like they're so heavy so many beautiful books they look great
0: but... Yeah my
2: top shelf is sagging.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Mine as well. So am I the only one that like will pull out the shelf and rotate it, flip it upside down? I do that. (laughs) Oh, like work its way the other direction. Every other
2: year I've got to do that. That's a good tip. I should try that. Yeah. That
0: that can be our first uh, tips and tricks for (laughs) using VTTs. You
1: take your physical books and flip the shelf upside down. So it bows the other direction. Oh, all right. So, Let's talk about some tips and tricks. We got a lot of different uh, points here um, to to go over. Matt, you want to lead us in?
0: Sure. Yeah. So, and a lot of these we did kind of cover. We did, uh, you know, in some case at least mention them as we're mm-hmm. talking about uh, the btts But ease of use and experience level needed to play and equipment.
1: Yeah, we did cover that.
0: Of, yeah, it does. It does put a lot. I I feel like all of these put a lot uh, and every role playing game for that matter is always going to put a lot more on the GM to really Mm -hmm. understand and to know it. But for the most part, the ease of use and experience level is going to be the same for just playing, playing a role playing game. In most cases, you're not going to need that much as a player. Um, Equipment-wise, well, here's a here's a tip on that that I want to say, GMS.
1: If you're on the you're on the fence about a VTT, you want to do a VTT, but you don't want to put the time and effort into like learning how to run it. It's because you don't have time for that because you need to prep your sessions and stuff. The amount of time you will save um, for session prep and getting stuff together, like once you've invested the initial time, is is significant.
2: And to add on to that, even from the player standpoint, specifically regarding the Warhammer Fantasy modules on Foundry, the character creation that they have rolled in there is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Even now, after making dozens of characters on paper for Warhammer Fantasy, it takes me half an hour to do it on Foundry. I'm done in five minutes.
1: Yeah. So to me, and my tip is think of your time investment in learning a VTT as a player or as a GM, as time that will be saved later and will be well worth it. And I think Matt, you were mentioning equipment and from a VTT standpoint, honestly, and I think maybe we go over this somewhere else, but one of the biggest things I will say equipment wise, in my experience, it's not the, these uh, systems don't take a tax a lot of resources on your computer. It's your internet connection. It's your yep. internet connection and your internet speed that have the biggest impact. It's not how fast your computer can run stuff. Um, the, these aren't
0: right. because, high intensity all graphic just, programs. Right. Just web, web based in most cases. Yeah, At, we've we've ran this before with you know a player on a desktop, two players on laptops, and one on a Chromebook. Like, so it's not like, you know, if you, if you have a laptop, unless it's in severe need of updating, you should be fine. Um, But yeah, having a strong internet connection, depending on how many people are going to be a part of your stream or a part of the game, if they're all running video and audio, like it, it can be a little taxing on that. But for the most part, if you have a laptop, you're going to be good to go.
1: So another tip your session zero should include an hour of technical figuring out, te- figuring out your technical issues. So you're going to have everybody come for a game plan for an hour where you're saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? That until you, g- there's always going to be something. It's just the the nature of the beast. I, I want to be really upfront with you on this. That is yep. a reality. Um, at one point, I think Kyle on our, our show said, After we spent way too long, I think he was like, all right, guys, uh, let's break for lunch. And then when we're back, we can start to play. Like it's because we spent so much time working through a technical issue. So it's a reality of it. And every time you plan to get together for a session, another tip plan for 20, 30 minutes of technical figuring out. Um, and if everything works fine, then you got 20 minutes to talk or get started early. That's,
0: that would be a tip that I would say. Yep. Yeah. And also don't be afraid to like write down what works. Yes. Like, what, what your solution was to this problem might've taken you a half hour this one day to figure it out. My simple is going into an options menu and hitting a toggle, but right. It's also possible if you're not going to play again for another month that when you come back, you're like, ah, sh- shoot, what do I, uh, we got a, did you reset your, okay. Can you reset yours? Okay. I'm going to restart my browser. And uh, you know, didn't you, weren't you wearing a different head. headset
1: last time? Oh, that's right. Let me try that. And it, it fixes everything. Right. right. Like, right.
0: That literally, literally <laughs> happened to us where it was like, oh, shoot, I was. New headset on, clear audio, 30 minutes wasted. Yeah. Whereas it just made a, you know, write it down, make a list of, of uh, pre show things to go through and check. It saves a lot of time.
2: Yeah. Last year when I was uh, doing my own uh, Twitch channel and whatnot, playing, like, learn to play aspects of these games where I ran through the three different Warhammer games at the start of it, Everything else was like, I hope this is working. If you can hear me, mm-hmm. if you can hear us, let us know in the chat. Because sometimes just one little checkbox would make or break the entire start yep. of the show. Yeah. One of the things I have a problem now is whenever Windows updates, I've got to go in to my sound settings, into my microphone, and make sure it's not muted because Windows likes to mute my uh, my separate or my uh, desktop mounted microphone for whatever reason. And it gets me almost every single time. I had that happen in an interview a few months back. Like, yeah, I'm trying to talk and they don't hear me. It's like, gosh, one second. So, you know, the big finger up in the screen, one second going into the settings. All right, can you hear me now? And then on top of that, I was also using, or this was in in a different interview, my headphones are, uh, wireless as well as wired. So I had them running wireless, and I was talking for so long, no sound was coming through my computer. So my headphones turned off because <laughs> they didn't register any sound. So then they start talking. It's like, crap, something's happened. I can't hear you. It took me a moment to figure out, oh, right. Turn off my headset, turn it back on, and it was working again. So, whenever we're dealing with uh, virtual tabletop and our own technical stuff, there's there's some wizardry that has to go into it.
1: Yep, yeah. But once you get it, I, I will say this: once you figure got through the kinks, most of the time it's it's smooth from there. Um, you just got little things, but plan for it. Um, just like you wouldn't go before a big meeting in front of your boss without running your PowerPoint and making sure everything works. You, you want to do the same thing here. And uh, a good thing you brought up, Charlotte, this is another great tip. Two hours plus or the day before you have a, a big game session you're going to be uh, participating in, run your Windows update. Don't open your computer for the first time in three months to play that game and think that your computer is not going to go down for two hours for an update. <laughs> so, oh, man, good tips. Good tips. Yeah. So yeah. what are some tips that we have for moving people to an existing group that maybe is around the table, but you want to move virtual. What we already talked about some technical things that I think are good tips for, for if it's going to be new to you. Um, we already talked about GMs, especially um, spend some time learning the VTT you're going to use. What other tips do we, do
0: we have? I think potentially a whole session that is just spent familiarizing everybody with the inner workings of these systems is going to be really, really helpful. Um, And maybe it doesn't need that much. Maybe you could do it in only, uh, you know, an hour or so. And I think a lot of that's going to be dependent on how much of the VTT you're utilizing, right? If Mm, you're just using it for the the video on screen and the die rolls, that probably only take, you know, five minutes to go over. Uh, but the more you have, you know, especially when you start adding in the character sheets, there's there's a learning curve there of, right, like there's five or six different tabs. Well, if I want to edit this, I need to go to this tab and, you know, oh, I want to use a fortune point. Where do I find that? How do I down. track
1: corruption again? Where is that? You know, yep.
0: things like that. Yeah, exactly. So spending some time to... Make sure that the things that I I know for a fact are on the front side or the back side of this single sheet of paper sitting in front of me are where to locate those kind of things just to make that that, uh, process a little bit more simple. So make sure to build in enough time so that everybody's on the same page.
2: Yeah, and I guess to add as an extension to that is understanding that you are going from one method of play to something that is completely different and many people don't have experience playing online. So when you're at a table, it could be in a kitchen, it could be in a basement living room, it could be at a gaming store, your environment is pretty stable and solid and you know who's sitting with you and where they are at all times. You know who's looking at their phone or who's looking at their character sheet or just doodling while someone else is off doing something. But when you're playing online using a virtual tabletop, you not only have the virtual tabletop in front of you, you have everything else that you use your computer for. You have Discord off to the side, you have Slack, you have any other programs you got up and running, you have notifications coming through from Skype or from Steam saying that there's an event going. There's a lot more distractions available while you're playing when you're playing on your computer. And it's a lot easier to check out and lose focus when you're playing on a computer than if you're playing at a table. I've been guilty of it before myself. Like something catches my eye, something I want to deal with right now, even though I probably could deal with it later on, but it pulls my attention away. So then when things come back to me, it's like, oh shit, where were we? Sorry, (laughs) what did you just say? Can you explain that again for me? Like I, I've had that issue as well. Good tips.
0: A- yeah, I think just going into it with an understanding, right, and and letting your players know that you are going to have to be a little bit more – you have to police yourself a little bit when it comes to making sure you're staying focused and staying on track. Because if we're all sitting at a table and one person's on their phone, we can all just glare at them until they feel it and then they – <laughs> <sit down> the-
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit different in this case. Or you could throw a Cheeto at them or something, you know. Yeah. So –
2: that metal D20 you've been holding onto, a, onto for a special occasion, perfect time. Now, now
1: is the time. Now is the time. Uh, so the next one I, is... Go ahead, Matt. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, so finding new players. I think this is really going to be outside of... A little different than finding new players in your own local group. Because you're not necessarily going to be able to go down to your local store to find players for online, you might be able to, and I'm sure a lot of folks are still going to be interested in playing virtually, but I feel like the online resources that you can find on the popular discord servers for Warhammer and in chat rooms and websites, I don't think it will probably be too difficult to find new players via those means.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear uh, Charlotte's thoughts on this because I think she probably has more experience than anyone on, on the online community. Um, as far as you know how to get games together and stuff. But the one thing I would say is make sure you're clear when you're looking for either players or you're looking to join a game. Be very clear and upfront and honest about what your availability is, what you can commit to. Just like you wouldn't commit to a weekly game that meets in person, if you can't make it happen online, I don't know why, but in my experience online people seem to estimate that they can be way more flexible than they are. You can't be honest with yourself and honest with other people. um, And, and ask for that honesty in return when you're setting up a game group, be straightforward, say, I need commitment. If you're going to do this, let's do it.
2: Yeah. um, I think with the majority of the world now at this point, starting to get back into business and the ability to, Be able to meet up with your friends that you haven't seen in a year and a half or to meet with new people to forge a new group, whether that's at a local gaming store or at your home. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing more of those games, but we're not going to see a huge decline in online play through virtual tabletops because we've been doing this for the last year and a half. We know the benefits of this. And we know how to navigate this community. In addition to being able to have a larger group of people to pull from for the games that we play. Like you yourself were mentioning that it's an hour to get to your local game store. Yeah. Right. So it's not just an easy trip to the corner store for you to go meet with people to play a game. There's a lot more coordination involved for you playing online nowadays we don't have those limitations like we were talking about before my group that i play with for mud and blood we have someone who's between sweden and finland i'll have to confirm tonight where he he is and we have two uh new zealanders and myself in canada we span a huge chunk of the world we would not be able to have those adventures without being able to play online and yeah, like when you get into playing online, you think that you have so much more time because you don't have to go anywhere, but you're also still at home. You have the distractions of your house going on around you. Somebody's upstairs in the kitchen doing something. They're thumping around. They're making noise. You're distracted. You're in here. Your kids need something. They're coming knocking on the door. You got to go deal with them for 10, 15 minutes. You're distracted. You're pulled away. So now yeah. your game is going even longer.
0: Yeah. Um dogs barking that's that's my primary one yep. for sure. yeah lance lance has his kids that'll come I, knock on the door yeah. Mine are dog's barking i've muted myself like three times in this conversation to like let them in or out because yeah. the, i can feel them getting riled up
1: dog, dog barking is a is a primary edit feature that we do in post um So actually, you brought up a point, and I don't want to go – we don't have a ton of time, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but I do think it's important to note as a tip. If you are newer to online gaming and you're gaming with people that maybe are well outside your normal culture, um, right, because that's a real thing, Um, people gaming with people all over the world, people have different cultures, things – you need to be cognizant of that and be able and prepared to do two things to be open and honest about what is okay and not okay with you that's a whole other show topic i before i go into it but also be able to take feedback if someone says you know whatever you just said or did you know that's not okay with me it might not it might be something cultural it might be something personal just be aware that when you start to get outside of your normal um, what you deal with every day, you might not be aware of the pitfalls or things that might be sensitive areas for other people um and this goes for me too i'm I'm terrified that i'm gonna we have it we have a podcast that spans the world. Um, I have more listeners outside of the United States than I do in. um, And it is something I constantly am trying to think about and trying to take when I get feedback, take it to heart. So just something I wanted to mention is we need to be aware that are all types of people, all different ways of gaming. And you just try to be cognizant of that um, when you go into these, you know, maybe a new gaming situation with people that have different experiences than you do.
2: Uh, I got a perfect example for that. All right, so we all know that I have my hand in a lot of the Warhammer communities on Discord uh, and one of them on Facebook, right? Mm. So one thing you don't see a lot of in the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay fandom is women in the game, like women playing the game. But then there's me that's running these communities based around the game. When I go to look at, playing in a game for a first time, I vet the people that I'm going to be playing with because I don't want to be put in a situation myself that is not a positive situation. I want to make sure I know who I'm playing with because there are some topics that may come up rather quickly that you aren't going to be able to stand up and walk away from fast enough. So as a woman in tabletop role-playing I make sure that I proceed safely with that. And also the language that I use, playing with people from different cultures, I try and be aware of the language I use and talk to the people on the language that they use. For example, I play with, I've played and play with New Zealanders and Australians and their favorite word is (laughs) And me personally, up here in North America, I... I've gotten better, but that is not a word that I typically appreciate. So, yeah, we might actually, we might actually list, have
1: to bleep that in our. In our all you gear. heard was
2: a bleep, but I think
0: you can yeah. imagine what word it was. <laughs> but it starts with a right C. That's, yeah, yes, there is, you go. <laughs> that's excellent, excellent. Uh, that's a very track.
1: good point. Yep. And and I'll be honest, something I did not know, despite the fact that I have many conversations with people from New Zealand. Um, I've that I haven't had many like actual audio video conversations. It's usually, been written right via the interwebs. So fascinating, fascinating.
0: Yeah, that, that when you go to your local store, you're seeing a snapshot of only people that live within ten miles of that store. Those are the yeah. only people you're gonna get if you're going to play there. Yeah. Whereas you know, like you said, Lance, we are always like shocked to see how like all the different countries from all over the world where people listen to us. Thank you all, by the way, old worlders. But that different cultures are going to do things a lot differently. Yeah, let's
1: not get started with woofer up in WFRP, right? That was our first big experience into that. No, we learned. We We learned.
0: learned. We learned.
2: (laughs) I I remember that.
0: (laughs) Yep, good stuff. Uh, it, but it's so, it's so funny is that now it's like, it's just, there's no even consideration. I see it on a page. It's just Wilfred Bizarre. Yeah.
1: So. It's second nature now, but it was, it was a hard change. I'm not going to lie. All right. So, um, I'm just looking at the, the list of stuff here. I, I guess I would ask you guys, are there any other tips and tricks you can think of? I'm just kind of going through, I, I would I say we- we've already, we already talked about player resources. Um, but Matt, you had something.
0: I, yeah, I did want to say um, how to get the most out of your VTT. And I think this is really going to be true with just about anything you do. You will get out what you put in, that if you want to run a game, if you want to be a GM that has a game with all the bells and whistles where your players' jaws drop when you have this, you know, the audio transition or, oh, you step outside of the tavern and it begins to rain. And then without you even saying anything screen where your players are going to like just be... Be flabbergasted by the different stuff that you could do. you're only gonna do that if you put in the time to figure out how it all works and to plan, so you will get out what you put in uh and that being said i've I've GM'd on roll twenty before where I put in almost no prep on the platform and it's still we played we had a great time it ended up yep. being an awesome adventure that we all remember, so don't feel like you need to to put in all that time, but if you do you're gonna you're going to get more out of it for sure. Don't be
1: afraid to learn over time too, Yeah, right? You don't have to be an expert for your first game. Just learn how to roll dice and, and you know, how did the video and audio works and then go from there. So final thoughts, guys, uh, just, just overall, I'd love to, Charlotte, we'll, we'll let you go first. What are your final thoughts on online gaming, VTTs, any last minute advice or thoughts you want to put out there?
2: Do it. Try it get the experience and make the decision whether you want to have that as a regular party or gaming or not. Uh, personally, I find myself more comfortable playing online than I do in real life. Uh, part of which is it's easier to adapt to changing situations in your household. If you've got to reschedule things, if you're playing online than it is if you're going to a store or something because some of the stores, you might have to make arrangements to book specific times to be able to play in store. Um, but try it out. Try all the systems out there. I am biased for what I like. And I will, I will talk up what I like. I don't have experience with some of the other ones out there, like Astral or Arkham Forge or any of the other ones that are up and coming. Uh, like I was saying before, we are in a virtual tabletop revolution. Foundry has set the bar, and they've set it high, but it gives everybody else a chance to catch up. They know what they have to work for, which will breed innovation in our online gaming environments in the future. Enter virtual reality, virtual tabletops.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Where you're right. You see your other players, but they're all dressed in their characters' garbs and thing. Yeah, Heck, we do that really now. Good. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's the comfort of being in your own home. If you want to, you know, you've got a real comfortable chair you want to sit in while you play instead of like a hard chair at the game store. Or, yeah, you want to, I don't know, if you wake up late, you didn't take a shower, you're not wearing a shirt, that's fine too. You know, you can still <laughs> sit and play that, you know, that wouldn't fly if you were sitting at a table with people. But if it's, uh, you know, if you're doing it virtually, you sure can.
2: Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing that just crossed my mind is, this is a bit sensitive to kind of bring up and i'm not sure how to word it properly but some people it's harder for them to be able to get out and play so people who have issues that could be uh like anxiety in public being able to play online is a great alternative if they're able to use that as an alternative it opens up gaming to more and more people because of the limitations. If you go to a game store and the entrance to that store isn't friendly to people in wheelchairs, those people aren't going to get to that store and they're not going to be able to play and learn about the games. Being able to do that from the comfort of your home while, while addressing your own needs gets even more people into the games that we all love and we love to share with people
1: well said well said uh I can tell you, even my personal uh, being just sometimes stores are distracting sometimes going to someone else's house is is honestly your you don't necessarily want to explain to your friends that dude i'm I'm down to my last five dollars I can't afford to drive to your house to play a game I want to i play I want to play really bad you know those those are real situations sometimes you know having a screen in front of you instead of face-to-face allows you to maybe feel a little more comfortable or even just gives you a chance to become more comfortable with those people that you maybe you want a game in person with but it gives you a step an intermediate step so really really good
0: point charlotte i i yep. really appreciate that yep excellent point point. and even when it comes to role playing if i was in a game store and uh I think I'm pretty outgoing, but there's times that I, I like can shy up with things. If I wanted a role play, it's really like boisterous over the top character. Am I going to feel comfortable doing that yeah. when mm. I, I say, you know, have this big monologue and 30 other people in the store are turning and looking at me and asking questions and like, or am I, if I'm in my house by myself, am I going to feel more comfortable to, to put on a show, to act my character? I think that's great, and uh, Charlotte, I do appreciate the fact that you you brought up how there are l- limitations physical and mental that going out in public are gonna are gonna have for people, and this gives them the opportunity to play and role play and enjoy this game and this hobby um, in ways that a few years ago we didn't really have
1: so the final thoughts, Matt then did that wrap it up for you, did you yeah have i mean
0: i I when we started this online vtt journey over a year ago uh, as we had to adapt like many people did i didn't love it at first i felt like it was taking away one of the things that i like most about role playing games and that is being at a table you know just just like how i play you know i play board games with my friends every week like it's always less about the game and more about the community of sitting and talking and enjoying time uh so the vtt kind of they you lose a little bit of that element but it it's still very enjoyable experience and i think i've come around and i think you have too because we've talked about this where we're starting to see the benefits of playing online and i think in a lot of ways the benefits outweigh the uh the pros outweigh the cons I, so overall i i think that uh it's a good time calling it a virtual tabletop revolution, I think is exactly right because all of the companies that didn't put the time into it are starting to see that, okay, there's something here. There's a a whole community of people that are ready to play online and we need to, to support it appropriately. And I'm glad to see that cubicle seven is, is doing that.
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, online gaming. So for me, online gaming, before the pandemic, the pandemic forced us to do online gaming, um, and it wasn't something that we really did before that. And um, and so the silver lining is as I think that it's the, the benefits have made it clear that online gaming will be a part of what Old World Podcast does going forward. Um, but I, I can tell you that I look forward to we, we plan a retreat with the Old World Podcast where we're all going to get together and game for a couple of days. And I'm looking forward to that in-person interaction. I'm looking forward to role-playing in-person around a table. I look forward to the conventions where we're going to play some games in person there too. So it's not replacing in-person gaming for me, but it is now a big tool in my toolbox. It is is for our gaming group. It is it is a, a part of, of life now, and it's been worth it. And I, I will say this. There are a lot of steps. We've gone over options for online play uh VTTs are well worth it. They all of the all of the downsides that you lose from not being physically at a table. A VTT in my experience is the best way to minimize or eliminate almost all of those downsides. There are still a couple, you, there's you can't reach over and touch someone's shoulders when you want to you know, some when it might be appropriate to like, you know, I, I'm I'm jumping in here. I'm jumping into the scene, end scene, or however it's going to be. We've had some great times in person, but most of that a VTT can really solve. So overall, um, VTTs and I, I'll say Foundry. Oh, this is my favorite right now. Um, but I think Roll Twenty and Foundry. If you're going to play Woofrup and you're going to and you want to spend the money for the module, either one is going to be good for it. Take a look at the options. You know, if you force me to choose right now in this day, I agree with Charlotte. Foundry is my favorite. I know that going forward, we, um, the Old World podcast, will be doing our online. We've been doing it in both World Twenty and Foundry, going back and forth, which can be a little jarring, but um, just to have the experience. But I think Foundry is the favorite of the the group, and we'll be going forward using Foundry uh, moving forward with our our you know online games. But I'll say this: when we go to play a quick game of something roll 20 will probably be where we go. So it's, it's just different tools in your toolbox. And uh, yeah, so I think that's it. Um. So uh, that's the end of our show guys. Uh, thank you everybody for, for joining us. Thank you, Charlotte for joining us in, in, on, on the show tonight. It's been a pleasure uh, to have you. I really appreciate you joining us to talk about all this online stuff.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Being able to talk about virtual tabletops and Warhammer all at the same time has just been uh, the capstone of my day and it's not even noon yet. So. It's not even noon yet. Oh man. Well, that's awesome. So, uh,
1: guys, in our next episode, uh, we uh, gosh, man, I don't even know that we've locked down what our next episode is going to be. Uh, I so mean, we, we have alt Dwarf. All Dwarf is out there. We just Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of things to talk about. And I've had a couple of requests come in recently for more uh, career episodes. Career episodes yeah. And so anyway, I, I have no idea. We'll let you know. We'll throw it out there in the interwebs and let you know what's going to happen next. But um, it's coming soon. Uh, But yeah, so be sure to join us.
0: So intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at oldworldpodcast, and Facebook, facebook.com slash oldworldpodcast.
1: And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards too. Check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast.
0: Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fame. So Charlotte, where can people find you?
2: If you are on any of the Warhammer-related discords, uh, you'll find me there as either Charlotte or Foxfire. Uh, you can see what I'm up to on Twitter at Foxfire22. Uh, and you will see me... Uh, kicking around here working for a virtual reality virtual tabletop company Uh, and that is called Ixia from Strawberry Fields Interactive
1: very cool excited to hear more about that too so uh, I I think that wraps us up so uh, so old worlders this is Lance saying good night and if you're not a member of the Rat Catchers Guild what are you doing
0: this is Matt saying don't and plenty of extra
1: man, Figure I, out you keep muting your mute keeps going keep on muting. and off
0: what i'm saying man, don't you got to make sure extra time for difficulties because you never know <laughs> you totally got me on that man i thought yeah, yeah. so much <laughs> better than i expected <laughs>
1: <laughs> so listeners if it wasn't clear matt simulated technical difficulties (laughs) but it wasn't real that's so (laughs) far oh
2: all right charlotte (laughs) uh and i am charlotte and i will see you in the old world
0: this podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by games workshop limited or cubicle 7 entertainment it is intended for educational and informational
2: purposes only GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the
0: distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios LLC.